Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. What a special guest this week, the all-time receptions leader uh, for the University of Texas. Uh, he's also got the single-game record for most receiving yards. We'll see if he even remembers what game that was. Uh, the one and only Jordan Shipley, who found out this week he is going into the UT Hall of Honor. Ship, how you doing, my man? Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually just ran into Jamal Charles uh, probably 15 minutes ago, grabbing some coffee. And uh, so I got to tell him congratulations. So that was kind of cool. So y'all just literally bumped into yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah he honked coffee. his horn at me. Yeah, I was walking in front of his car. He honked his horn at me. And uh, so I got to catch up with him for a little bit. So it was kind of cool. How about that? Jamal Charles, the all-time leading rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs and, of course, member of the 2005 Texas National Championship team, also going in to the UT Hall of Honor with Jordan Shipley, along with others like DJ Augustine, PJ Tucker, uh, Tom Penders. But, Ship, um, it's, it's always great to catch up with you. Uh, you're one of the all-time favorites among Longhorns fans. So um, do you remember the, the game? where you set the single single game receiving yards record 273 yards? Uh, oh, I do, yeah. The yards I do. Um, I think it was Central Florida, maybe? Central Florida. There it is. Yeah, there it is. I remember that one. That was a fun game. I mean, what do you remember about that game? 273 yards receiving in, uh, you know, big-time college football. Not bad. Yeah, I, don't, I just um, – it's kind of one of those that – it felt like a good game, but it was, you know, you don't, you don't realize like what you kind of racked up until the end. And somebody told me what the you know yardage was. I was like, man, that's crazy. But uh, when you, well, when you hear about, you know, when people introduce you and as the all time receptions leader at Texas, what does that mean to you? Well, I mean, it's crazy to think about, um, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, you don't ever really think it's necessarily possible, but, um, you know, it just happened. And it happened for a lot of reasons. One, you know, we had um, a, we had a great team, great offensive line. Uh, I got to play four years with Colt, which was, uh, you know, that, that, that obviously helped a little bit. And um, so it was just a, a bunch of different factors, but um, it was a special time to be at Texas. I know that. Yeah, Colt McCoy, of course, um, set uh, – the NCAA single season completion percentage record. It's, it's nice when the quarterback can just put it on you. I was looking up some numbers, and in 2008, uh, you all converted third and seven or longer 55% of the time. Yeah. And, and Colt was more accurate outside the pocket than he was in it. I mean, just talk about Colt and – your buddy, your childhood friend, and just why? I mean, he's so accurate. And why on earth were you all converting third and seven or longer 55% of the time in 2008? Yeah, that's a, that's a wild number. Uh, I think, you know, the more you know about football, the more, you know, you, you can appreciate um, that conversion rate. But, and a lot of it is cold, you know, obviously just like you said, being uh, unbelievably accurate, being unbelievably smart. Uh, putting us in good positions. Greg Davis had a lot to do with that, um, you know, as far as putting us in position, position to be successful. And the other guy I'd give a lot of credit to, you know, for that is Quan Cosby. Quan uh, was just phenomenal and, and very smart, uh, very reliable, great player. Um, and, and I think, you know, just being able to 
catch the ball every time is something that gets overlooked. Uh, and and I was saying earlier, you know, we got to see a little bit of that last year, last couple of years with Devin DuVernay. And so uh, I hope somebody kind of jumps up and fills that role of, of being, you know, a reliable guy, especially on third down. Yeah, you and Quan Cosby, um, the most prolific duo, receiving duo in Texas football history. And, you know, I when I think of you two together, I think of that, that Texas OU game in 2008 where he decleats Lendy Holmes as you're, you know, racing towards the end zone and you all just put on a clinic that day. And one, that was the outside of the Texas USC national championship game. That was the best college football game I've ever seen live. Yeah. You all went down 11 points twice early. Your 96 yard kick return for a touchdown helped turn the tide. Y'all end up winning that game 45, 35. And that was the four wide flex game, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was something that uh, Greg Davis had kind of been keeping, you know, up his sleeve for a game like that. And uh, he, he put me at flex tight end. And then we had, um, you know, two other receivers on one side and just kind of, he moved me around a bunch and, um, and Quan had a monster game receiving also. And, and not to mention that block, which was one of the, probably the greatest blocks of all time in UT history. But um, yeah, it was just an, it was an unbelievable plan. Actually, you know, the funny story about that, that same game plan, we never did it again. Uh, we, we did it in that game and then we held it for the 2009 uh, Rose Bowl. And we were actually, you know, we had a bunch of stuff game plan for them, uh, for Alabama in that game. And we still got to do a little bit of it, but, um, you know, obviously Colt kind of didn't get to, um, you know, take advantage of that like, like what we wanted to with the injury that he had. But, Jordan, let's talk about that because I'd heard that the game plan going into that 2009 national championship game against Alabama was to throw it. Um, and obviously now you're saying that the, the game plan was going to be similar to the 2008 Oklahoma game. You all felt like you had the advantage against the Alabama secondary Tell us what the plan was. Yeah, I mean, it was really the same type of deal as 08 Oklahoma. Uh, we were going to run. He was going to move me around a bunch. Um, I was going to run a bunch of stuff at flex tight end, which, you know, anytime at a, at a level like that, when somebody does something totally different than what you've been seeing, uh, it's just it's really difficult to game plan. And especially when you've got a quarterback like Colt, who was as accurate as he was, um, I, I think – and honestly, they were really, really good on offense. They were pretty good on defense, but they didn't see a lot of teams that spread the ball out like what we did. So, um, as far as, you know, game plan, I think it was one of the – probably the greatest game plans that Coach Davis ever put together. But, unfortunately, um, you know, we kind of all got robbed a little bit on that as far as getting to see it unfold. Well, and then, you know, you you guys – you all followed behind 24-6 to 6 in that game, but – you work your way back. I mean, he finds you. Garrett Gilbert starts to find you. And y'all work it back to where you're down three with three minutes left. You know, what's going through your mind uh, in that game? And, and, and even as you fell behind 24 to six, and then you're clawing your way back in. Yeah, that was just, um, you know, it was, a, it was a crazy game. They had two incredible running backs. Um, they had Julio Jones. Um, who actually, you know, didn't do a whole lot in that game, but he didn't have to. They, their running backs were so good. And, and you know, the thing that 
they had the long shovel pass um, and took it back. And that was a pretty, you know, that was kind of a demoralizing deal because we were moving the ball down the field. And, and like I said, we had kind of started getting into a little bit of a rhythm with Garrett. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those deals at the end of the day um, it, with the situation we were in, they were a little bit too much to, you know, to, to handle. But we, I mean, I felt like we had a chance to win, you know, all the way through until, you know, close to the end of the fourth quarter. Well, I mean, your career is is unbelievable, and um, and and you had to wait. I mean, you had the the two years where you were, you know, kind of injured and getting going, and then my gosh, it was uh, an unbelievable explosion. Of course, the all time receptions leader, and we were talking earlier about you know maybe the one that got away, and and you mentioned the Texas Tech game in in two thousand eight. What you know, what was, cause you felt like that 2008 team was as good. And I agree. I thought that team would have won the national championship if it had gotten uh, the chance to play for it. Um, you know, take, take me through the emotions of that. Uh, having had such a great team, such a great season. And then it just was like the Bermuda triangle out in Lubbock. Yeah. You know, it was, it was weird. We, we had a, um, I remember right had had several big wins uh, early in that season. Oklahoma State was ranked, I think, in the top six or something. Um, so we beat Oklahoma, who was number one. Beat Oklahoma State, who was like top six. Um, you know, had Missouri was ranked. Wins. Missouri was a really big win. Um, went to Texas Tech, which is just a, it's a weird place. I mean, they're they're spitting on you, they're pouring beer on you, um, and we just kind of. You know, we did that several times against Tech out there. We we fall behind, and then but we always. You know, I think my my, I guess two thousand five maybe we were down twenty one points and came back and won out there, and so um, it was one of those deals that you just expected we were going to figure out a way to come back and win, and and um, and we and we really had it won. We did. We just uh, we just couldn't finish them at the end, and Crabtree was great. Um, they just uh, figured out a way to pull it off. But I do think that was one of the best teams we ever had and, and definitely had some, you know, incredible firepower on both sides of the ball. Yeah, what was – what when you think of that 2008 team, what do you think of? What uh, – I mean, what made it so special? I, you know, I think it's just a, a lot of things. One, you had uh, you had Quan, which uh, we didn't have in 2009. We had some good young receivers, but – um, you know, when you, when you've got, it's, it, it helps so much when you've got, you know, people taking pressure off of other people. Um, you know, Colt obviously was, had a, had an incredible year. Chris Ovenaya stepped up, had a good year. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, we had some, we had some unbelievable guys over there on that side flying around. And so yeah, Earl Thomas, Arakpo, yeah, Earl Arakpo, Sergio Kendall, um, Sergio. Yeah. I mean, some of the, some of the most incredible, you know, incredibly physically gifted guys that I've ever seen. And, um, you know, just, just didn't play out, you know, the whole deal with the BCS controversy. I think, um, I think it boiled down if I remember right to Art Browse voting somebody else in and, and, uh, and that was kind of it. And, uh, so that was hard. That was a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's funny because you were telling the story, you told me this story years ago on the radio about you being late to practice because your grandma shot an elk. Yeah. So tell me about your grandmother. And oh, man. I know you're a great outdoorsman, but well, grandma. She's the greatest outdoorsman. She's, she's kind of the one that taught my whole family. I think my, my mom's side of the family, there's 20-something 
uh, grandkids. So she taught most all of us how to, you know, hunt and fish. And, um, you know, she sits there and just watches like fishing shows. She watches old football games and fishing shows all, you know, most all day. And then, um, what's grandma's name? Uh, her name's Addie Feltz. And, uh, if she, yeah, if she goes fishing with you, you better get ready because she's going to embarrass you. You know, she's just that kind of, she's got a knack for it, but yeah, she happened to, she, she got an elk one day and we were helping, we were trying to track it and it just ended up not working out so well for the meeting. And, uh, I think, I think coach Davis in one way thought it was funny enough that he, you know, it was almost so far out there that he just totally let me off the hook and he was like, you know, okay, whatever. So what, take me through it. You're, you're out in the middle of the woods or something. And then you look at your watch and then you're like, Oh my God, I got to call. I got to call coach Davis. How does, how does this play out? I think we just all kind of got zoned in and, and, um, you know, looked up and realized that, um, you know, there was no way I was going to make it back in time. So then have to make that awkward phone call that, um, you know, it's not, it's, it's not like it's, you know, just peewee popcorn or football and, you know, no big deal. I mean, um, those coaches don't usually take that kind of thing super well. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that I, I just was like, Oh, I mean, it is what it is. And he, uh, he kind of let me off the hook. I think that was early on when, when I was, uh, kind of dealing with some injury stuff and trying to get back from some of that. And he, he knew probably I was going through a tough time on some of that. Now, was this before or after you and Colt were out and he's like caught on a horse in the middle of a river or stuck in the mud or something? I think that was before he, uh, we were, you know, do like after due season, a lot of times, one of the things people like to do is go around and look for shed antlers. They lose their antlers every year. So it's kind of a fun way to, it's almost like hunting Easter eggs. You know, you can go out there and try to find them and see if you can find matching pairs or whatever. Well, we were doing that on horseback and his horse like went crazy on him and, and bailed off into the water and got stuck and not quicksand, but something like that. So the horse is stuck up to about right here and just head sticking out of the water. And he's, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And so uh, we ended up, I don't even know how we ended up getting him out of there, but um, that was another late to practice deal. So we're <laughs> And that's when uh, Greg Davis called y'all rednecks. Oh yeah. He was like, you guys are on another level of redneck. <laughs> so my favorite story, and I, I bring this up every time I talk to you, but it just cracks me up. Um, you and Stephen McGee, obviously great friends. Growing up in Burnett, he was throwing to you. You're setting all kinds of high school records. But y'all, to have some fun, would parasail uh, behind a Jeep. Now, who's, who was driving? Who was up in the parachute? And did you ever get caught in, in any trees? We had a rotation kind of going, but, uh, and, and we, had, we had different paths going through the pasture depending on the wind, you know, the wind direction. So uh, we, we probably took it a little too far several times, and I never got hung up in a tree, but uh, there was a couple different times where people did get hung up in trees, and one time I was driving. Uh, I also let a guy down on accident. You know, the rope's 200-something feet long, so you're driving and kind of letting them glide down going into the wind and you slow down and it lets them down. So you slow down some more. So you're trying to judge how fast to go to not crash them into the ground. And one of my buddies uh, ended up landing in a giant uh, thing of cactus and just had oh. cactus needles all over him, like fell in it. And uh, so we had some, and then another time uh, the, the rope broke in half and 
my buddy, it's spun him around and he just kind of came back right at us at the ground and um, kind of <laughs> hurt him a little bit, but we didn't have any like really major catastrophes. So had some close calls. But. Oh man, that is, uh, that is epic. And your wife has already said that will never happen with your children. Yeah, she's pretty much put the halt on that happening ever again. So somebody still has that parasail. One of my buddies has it. So uh, <laughs> still, it's still in Burnett, Texas, somewhere. So. Oh my goodness! Um, talking to Jordan Shipley and Jordan. Now tell tell everyone what's going on. Obviously, we know we've seen you on Longhorn Network, um, doing a great job with that. Uh, your family is expanding. Tell everybody uh, about the Shipley family. Yeah. So we're we're. Um, you know, just my whole family is, we're, we're definitely, um, we're definitely multiplying. We've got, uh, personally just, we've got a four and a half month old baby son, uh, Swade, S-W-A-Y-D-E, Swade Chipley. And then we've got, um, the first granddaughter on that, or the first grandchild was a girl. Uh, and then since then it's been all boys. So my sister's got two, my brother had two, we had one, my other sister had one. Um, so we're on a cycle of like eight or nine in a row, I think. Boys. <laughs> Hopefully we'll, we'll have some, uh, pretty good pickup football games going on at some point. Oh yeah. No, that there's no doubt about that. What, um, I've always, you know, I think people ask me, why didn't Jordan Shipley make it in the NFL? And I, my easy answer is you got dealt. I mean, you got a, you got a crap hand in the NFL. I mean, the Bengals, I think you spent time with the Jaguars and those are two of the worst run NFL franchises going, but you, you tell me what, um, and you know, obviously, uh, I don't want to bring up a sore subject or anything, but what, uh, what happened in the NFL? Yeah. And no, I mean, it's a pretty easy explanation. I think I, you know, had a good rookie year, um, numbers wise and came back the second year, had a really good preseason, um, and second game of the year, I had already uh, blown out my right knee in college when I first got there. So had rehab did, it felt, you know, they never are the same once you have a major reconstruction, but you know, it was feeling pretty good. Well, um, second game of my second year in the NFL, the other knee, I got hit from kind of the side, blew out my ACL, MCL, meniscus, um, kind of wrecked that whole thing out. And uh, it just never really, it, it, it healed up, but it wasn't, you know, the first one was just mostly an ACL, you know, reconstruction. And those are, you know, it's probably a year of full recovery, but the second one just didn't really ever, you know, so I, I kind of had two not great knees and to do what I do, um, you know, that's, it's kind of a important thing to be able to move and cut. And uh, so that was, that was really the beginning of the end for me. I just held on, you know, a couple more years and, and played as much as I could, but it, it never really did feel the same after that. So. Well, when, um, and so you're able to keep football alive with your work with LHN, what do you like doing, you know, what do you like most about, um, you know, getting around the, the Longhorns on game day and, and talking some football? Yeah, I mean, it gives me kind of an excuse to, um, you know, to stay into the game and to watch what's going on. And, and obviously having dad up there um, on staff has, has been fun and, you know, get to go up there and hang out at the office with him every once in a while. But um, yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a good excuse to kind of stay involved in it. And then, you know, the guys are, the people are great. Um, Andy wall uh, producers is awesome. Um, 
Logan Window, Michael Griffin, Ricky, Dan Neal. Um, it's just a bunch of really, really good people, and they make it really fun. So um, that's that's definitely the best part of it, probably. So when uh, when you are in the off season, are you catching up with Colt at all, y'all? I mean, obviously we're in a pandemic, so it's been bonkers. But um, you know, do you do you all talk regularly? What uh, what's that like? Yeah, uh, we, we probably didn't see him as much this year, but we didn't see, you know, we're having the baby and all that. We were kind of, things were crazy this year, but um, yeah, we try to get together pretty often and uh, his, you know, he's, he's got three little kiddos. And so we, we try to go, you know, take him ice cream every once in a while and go hang out with his, with his family. And, um, you know, he's doing great. I guess he's, I don't know what year 10 or 11 or something like that. And um, so Pretty, pretty unbelievable. We're talking to Jordan Shipley, and, and we'll, we'll come right back with Jordan on the flagship podcast, and we'll just keep rolling on. When you look back at uh, favorite games that you played in, maybe even a favorite play, um, do you have do, you know, one or two or three come to mind? Yeah, I mean, I think the yeah, you, you hit on it already, but the 08, um, the 08 Oklahoma game was – probably the most fun game I've ever been a part of. I mean, that, that's, that atmosphere is not, I don't think you can beat it. And um, so that was probably the most fun. And then I, I'm still going to say the, the 09 national championship game, just, just to get to play in the national championship, you know, on the highest stage and just know that the whole country's watching. And um, it was, it was a fun experience, although, you know, it, it obviously didn't go the way we wanted it to. When I mean, when you and Colt talk about that, can he even talk about it with you? We don't talk about it. Yeah. No. It's like Fight Club. No, I have yeah. not said one word to him about it. He's never said one word to me about it. Yeah. We just, just leave that one off, uh, yeah. off to the side. Yeah, we just leave it alone. But that, the, the Red River shootout in 08, it was so crazy. In that atmosphere, um, you know, I, I've said I think you're the, the, the best all-time receiver in in texas football history because uh you were such a huge part of the offense uh in 09 when you went to the national championship you're a huge part in 08 when you should have gone um but you did it all you were special teams return guy you were the holder on on field goals i mean take us in 09 you're you're holding for hunter lawrence right yeah and y'all are talking back and forth that was actually nerve wracking because I think, I don't remember what year it was when Tony Romo kind of had his little, uh, you know, right. His bobble. Yeah. I mean, so nobody ever, if you do it right, nobody ever knows that you're doing it in the first place. I mean, it's kind of a thankless deal. And I tried to get out of it every year. Coach, uh, I, I did it my freshman year and every year I'd be like, coach, you know, I, you know, it, I'm taking on a little bigger role and I think you need to just find somebody else. To, he's like, no, don't even ask. You're doing it every time. Um, so that, that was, and there was several, um, you know, game winning field goals that it's an interesting perspective to watch those things fly from, from the ground, right where they're coming from. And that one in particular, the Hunter Lawrence kick, you know, it was a, it was a crazy situation anyway, because time had, had expired, which, you know, the ball hit the bleachers and they gave us like, I don't know, one, one second. second. And, uh, so when he kicked the ball, it started left and, and, you know, I just remember watching it fly and it was probably two feet out to the left. And all of a sudden it just started curving back and easing back, easing back. And then when, when, when we, when I knew 
it was going to cross over. You know, it was just one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah, it was. It was barely inside that that left upright. Um, but by God, it went through, and away you went to the national championship game. That was the Indomitian Sioux game. I don't know if Colt got beat up worse in that game or the Tech game in 08, where it would have been his Heisman signature moment, that 80-yard drive to take the lead with a minute left, where he's running it and throwing it and doing everything. He's all beat up. His chin's cut open. But then against Nebraska in the 09 uh, Big 12 title game, and Dominican Sue and Jared Cricker throwing him around. I mean, I, I don't know how he walked out of that Cowboys stadium. That was probably the single most dominant defensive performance I've ever seen. I mean, it was just, it was just unbelievable. I mean, he was throwing people around and taking on, you know, he was he was throwing multiple people around just like ragdolls, and and uh, that was. I remember going back and watching the film. And it was just like, okay, I mean, he's just on another level. There's nothing you can do about it, you know. Yeah, and, I mean, y'all just made enough plays. I mean, yeah. do you remember you had a, you had a big play on the, uh, the game-winning drive? Yeah, um, yeah, I think caught one over the middle kind of and turned it up the right side, and then they, they face-masked me or, or uh, yep. whatever it was, either face-mask or – uh, I can't remember what the other call is now, but they, I think they gave us like 15 yards or something, and then Colt had the play where he threw it out of bounds, and and uh, we just barely had enough to kick a field goal, and and uh, you know, it was a they were they were they were, they they were not the best team we played that year, but they they set the way they set up against us just they were not um, we we weren't set up for them as well as we were we actually probably would have. I think beating Alabama a lot more, you know, a lot easier than we did in Nebraska that year. Well, you mentioned your dad, Bob Shipley, um, who's, you know, on staff with Tom Herman. He's, uh, well, you tell us what he does because we know he's got all the contacts. He's the liaison to the Texas high school coaches and, and that, but he's also in charge of the walk-on program and he's done a great job. Yeah. I mean, they found some, they found some guys, Jet Bush, uh, Court Jaquis, um, Justin Mater, this long snapper. I mean, they've done a – Bob's done a – your dad, Pops, has done a good job bringing in those walk-ons. Yeah, he's got an interesting role. I don't know what his title is, is actually. I think it's maybe director of high school relations, but he does a bunch of different roles. I mean, he's he's kind of the guy that when they bring kids on campus, you know, he gets to, um, you know, put his arm around mom and dad and tell them that he sent both his boys through the program and – um, you know, just he's when people come to practice, I think he's kind of the main one that, um, you know, he, he's he's a really good liaison, I think, is, is a good way to put it. So he's 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 enjoying it. And I think it's a um, it's a perfect fit for him, really. Well, we've got Colt to Jordan and then we had Case to Jackson, your uh, younger brother, Jackson Shipley. I always think of the fourth and six at Kansas where Case, you know, throws it, Jackson catches it, and then there's a pass to Magic Mike Davis down the sideline, and, and then to DJ Grant with 12 seconds left to beat Kansas in one of the craziest games going. But um, how's, your, how's your younger brother Jackson doing? He's doing great. He's actually um, doing a lot of stuff with me work-wise, and um, we're doing ranch real estate. And uh, so, I mean, he's one of the best – 
all around people on the planet. I think just great heart, um, you know, humble and, and uh, fun and just, he, it was fun to get to watch him play. I mean, he, he um, I think a lot of people don't realize, I don't know if he still is, but I think when he finished, he was number three all time in receptions. But I mean, with, with four different quarterbacks, I mean, he didn't have somebody like Colt. So it would have been, you know, interesting to see what he would have done. I mean, he was definitely hands down, I think the best uh, receiving, best hands I've ever seen. I mean, he could do stuff like he, he, you could throw him the ball over here. He just one hand, however. So it was fun to watch him. Well, what was, we were talking about your route running and, um, and you give that a lot of credit in addition to your teammates and Colt for being the all-time receptions leader at Texas. But just talk about your route running because that's an art. And was there, you know, one thing that you always did that you were, it, it allowed you to, to get defenders out of position? Yeah, I always just tried to think about, um, I, I tried to almost halfway convince myself I was running a different route, you know. So if I was going to run, you know, a dig route, I would really, I would really try to make it feel like I was going to run a comeback on the outside and then, you know, maybe even give it a step that way and go back. And that, that was, uh, I think, a big part of the reason why it worked so well because I, I had, I halfway convinced myself I was running something different, you know. And um, there's, there's a lot to be said for out. You don't have to be the fastest guy in the world. You don't have to even be the quickest guy in the world. If you can, if you can make them feel something different than what you're doing, I mean, it's a, it's kind of an art of deception. When you, would you look at defenders in the eyes when you're running the route? Yeah, sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, anything you can kind of do to throw them off because the the thing is, I mean, when you're when you're running a route it's in your court. You're the one that knows what's going on. You're the one that knows what's happening. So, um, you know, anything you can do to kind of mess with them or throw them off rhythm or, or make them second guess themselves or cause hesitation is, is, uh, that's really all you need. Well, what, uh, what are you looking forward to most about, uh, going into the UT hall of honor? Man, just great company. You know, that's, um, I got a bunch of message from messages from several different guys that, um, you know, Coach Brown sent me a message yesterday. Major sent me a message. David Thomas, and you know, just talking to a bunch of these guys. Got to see, like I said, Jamal Charles earlier today, and um, getting you know, coffee. Yeah, a lot of the the greatest um, players that I grew up watching, and and um, you know, um, that I get to kind of sometimes still Ricky, you know, and all the people that that I have admired from. Uh, the standpoint of watching them play growing up and getting to be kind of mentioned in the same group as them is pretty special. Is there, is there something we don't know about Colt? Any things that he did, any superstitions? Hmm. Man, I don't know. You put me on the spot on that one. Um, no, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but um, he did. This was kind of funny. I mean, he, he was really good always about, which is smart, uh, taking care of his linemen, you know, and, and uh, doing little things for them. I remember one time he drove them, I think, two hours to a, a little, like, hole-in-the-wall place to, to get a bite to eat. Just, to, like, uh, it was a place where they could kind of, you know how linemen are, they want to eat the whole world. So um, he would do stuff like that, you know, on, even on a, a weeknight just to kind of have an experience and bond with the guys. And, and uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks that would – um, that would step up in that way and kind of um, he, he he took a lot of those guys to eat uh, once a week 
during the season our senior year when you know he was on um college you know not much money type of deal but he always was really good about investing in the guys and so that was one thing i always thought was neat yeah no that's uh that's smart those are the guys who are who are uh keeping you upright and um and it took you all the way to the national championship in in 09 and uh, some incredible memories uh, obviously in 08 i agree with you that that group was your your best players in 08 were your hardest workers you know you Colt, Quan, roy miller you just had guys that were total studs who were also total grinders and and great leaders and that that's when the magic happens right yeah i mean that was that was really what it was all about you know it was uh it was it was basically going out there with the guys that you knew were you know it wasn't a bunch of prima donnas it was a bunch of guys and so a lot of them were small town guys you know that just um were there because they you know it's fun i mean Quan's a great example um there were a bunch of guys like that yeah that just um you know i got i played roy miller in high school i mean uh, those guys were just they knew how to work and they knew how to put in the time and effort and they knew how to uh, lead by example. And that's what, that's what made it, that's what made it so much fun to play with them. It made it hurt really bad when we, uh, when we, you know, we didn't get to play for the national title, but you know, it was uh, still definitely great memories. Yeah. Hell of a run. Hell of a run. Um, Jordan can't thank you enough. Congratulations over and over again for uh, the UT Hall of Honor will be fun to watch you get inducted with Jamal Charles and DJ Augustine and, and David Thomas. It is a great class. It's an absolutely great class. Um, thanks so much for the time, man. And, uh, and thanks uh, to everyone for tuning in to the flagship podcast. Uh, for Jordan Shipley, I am Chip Brown. Thanks for listening, everybody. And stay safe and keep the faith.